You're listening to 101.5 UMFM. This is 393, the radio program of Studio 393, a satellite of graffiti art programming. We are located in the Skywalk of Gorge Place, dropping for youth, offering free workshops in beat making, recording, songwriting, dance, visual arts, and podcasting, as well as some other things as digital arts, so on and so forth. Today's program, we have an interview with Ojibwe soul folk artist Isla Barker, who is currently the interim coordinator for the Indigenous Music Development Program at Manitoba Music. She is also currently getting ready and helping to organize a conference and some showcases for Indigenous Day Live and also her projects with air sessions. I'd like to thank Oseni Valkaran, Kenneth, as well as Sapphire, Jay, and Eric for all the work that they did on this episode. We have songs from Kim Mortal, Nathaniel, which is a youth that comes by, as well as Mariba at the end. Kim Mortal will be playing Winnipeg Pride 2019 with Bambi as uh, Blue Crane decided to do a nice little curation of a co-headliner. Hello, you're listening to 101.5 UMFM. This is 393. We're here with Isla Barker, and I'm one of your hosts, Osani Balkaran. Um, Isla, how's your day? Pretty good, thanks. That's sweet. What'd you, uh, what do you think of the weather? Honestly, I'm all for the sun. Like, I'm really like a, a vitamin D kind of girl. You know, I need, I need the heat. I was born in the wrong place, I'm pretty sure. So this is my kind of weather. Yeah. Was that like, like, was that your album cover was uh, kind of like in the sunlight, right? That SoundCloud kind of album-ish? Oh my God, way back in the day, yeah. I think I was crawling through the tick and mosquito-infested uh, nature park. <laughs> and we got some great photos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was definitely in nature. <laughs> yeah, and it was and it was mad sunny. It was very sunny. It was mad sunny. <laughs> yeah, is w- would you say that was kind of like um the the theme or like is that like did that represent the album as a whole? For you is like nature and the sun because a lot of the song titles seem like around that. Yeah, my first album definitely was very nature inspired. Actually, it's something that I recently was kind of unpacking a little bit because I realized that. You know, as artists, we need physical space, truly physical space to be creative. And I have a big family and for a long time I, I needed that space. And so I actually went and wrote in nature. I'd go hide in the bush and take my guitar out there. And that's where a lot of those songs were first written. Hmm. What was it like working on that first album? Amazing. You know, it's it wasn't necessarily something that I ever pictured myself doing when I was younger. Um, and... I truly felt that I just kind of ended up on this path that was predetermined for me. And working on the first album was such a learning experience. There's things that I I loved about it, things that I'm excited to try different for the next project. But there's so many great people that I got to connect with as well along the way. And it was just a really, a really, really great process. Was it challenging to, to like finish that album just because it was your first one? And there was like, I mean, I know a lot of artists that are working on their first album. And uh, I don't know, they struggle a lot to 
they struggle a lot to know when a project's finished, when it's done, or totally. whether to add this or that. I mean, how hard was that for you? Yeah, totally. I remember talking with some of my mentors at the time and, you know, asking them, like, did you ever go back and redo songs after they were done? Because I, I didn't know at that time. I never had that aha moment, like, oh, okay, this song is done. You know, and I think that was me just growing as an artist. Um, like I said, I learned so much. Uh, one of my flaws that I, I love to, to talk with artists about now is never rushing the process. I was so obsessed with just getting it out. I thought that I had to have it out on the seed, which I did. But I think that it's great when you're able to spend time and just go with the flow of it and do it with a lot more purpose and a good marketing plan. <laughs> what inspired you to get into music? I, when I was a little kid, I thought I'd be an opera singer. That didn't really pan out. Um, I also thought I'd be a goat farmer, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I always was really obsessed with learning how to play the guitar. And so I'd kind of picked up interest with that. I went to Rocker Girl Camp in Edmonton when I was younger. And, you know, it was all, it was all fun and I was interested. But the thing that really clicked the thing that really changed it all for me was actually a song I heard on the radio. It was uh, Bubbly by Col Colby Calais. And there was this weird thing that overcame me, this weird sensation, this weird vibe that I had to, I had to reproduce the song. I had to learn it. I had to play it on guitar. I was still learning at that time how to even play the instrument, but it just became an obsession when I heard that song. I don't even know why. But once I learned that, I started teaching myself chords and then started writing a little bit. And I guess I'd been writing for a long time, but I don't think I even realized that I'd been doing it. It was just like annoying little, you know, riffs would get stuck in my head and I'd sing them until people would yell at me <laughs> to stop. <laughs> my siblings, you know. Um, but it really, I truly felt like, kind of like I said before, I truly felt that it was this path that Crater had predetermined for me. And I'm just kind of stumbling along trying to figure out which, which way's next. So, you record your so prior to this, I actually met you at Just TV, which was way back when. How did that come into play with your music? Was it writing first, or was it uh, Just TV first, and then you start writing, or how did that like? Were you just using it for recording, or how did it all come? Just TV was honestly such an amazing place to be in, and I, I miss it. I, I need to go visit again soon. Um, they offer so many different great resources, and for me at the time, I'd already started recording, I'd already started writing and gigging pretty, uh, pretty frequently. Um, so they came as a great space to be an artist and a young artist to connect with other peers, to connect with mentors that now I'm working with and... It was an awesome introduction into the indigenous music community and the music community in general. Uh, I know that you're also involved in Manitoba music. Uh, I'm just curious to know what your role is in Manitoba music and how did you get involved in, in that? Yeah. They are keeping me busy. I'm very involved. <laughs> um, so I've been with Manitoba music since the fall. I'm the interim program coordinator for the Indigenous Music Development Program. Um, basically what that is, is I connect Indigenous artists that are Manitoba-based with programs, resources, professional development, showcase opportunities, 
Um, and then I also work a little bit with non-Manitobans as well and non-members. Um, we do a, we do too many things. It's amazing. Um, I've been a member with them for about seven years, and I totally fell in love with them as another piece of that community. And the the job opportunity kind of just you know it all one of these doors opened again. You know these weird path pieces that keep coming together and so I'm just so thankful that they have me on their team and I'll only be there till August I'm, I'm an interim employee which is really great actually because I, I get to come and learn a bunch of things give back to the community offer resources again for these artists that I'm now connected with and then go back to being an artist once again ladies and gentlemen you're listening to UMFM 101.5 we're here with Isla Barker uh, Isla I also wanted to ask you uh, why is it uh, important for you to do the work you do in your community and and stay involved and connected with that? Mm. <coughs> I'm really passionate about staying connected with the community because I have a couple of reasons, actually. The first one is I feel like I've taken a lot. I've accessed a lot of programs, funding, opportunities, gigs, um, you know, free mentoring hours or paid mentoring hours. I've, I've taken so much and I think that it's time for me to give back. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now with a couple of different projects I'm working on. Another reason that I'm becoming really passionate with it or, or rather about it is um, I think that we truly as artists have a social responsibility to make sure that we have people coming up behind us, that the youth that are the next generation receive the mentorship and tools so that they can come and fill our shoes that we're creating now. Um, I think that it's just so important that, you know, not only culturally that we stay connected that way, but also just to keep the, the community and arts sector vibrant. That's amazing. And the AR sessions, are those your first time producing a workshop like that <laughs> yeah so air sessions which stands for artist in residence uh sessions is a brand new project that i created um i did a couple of one-offs here and there contract work i did a pilot session and i discovered that there was a, a large need for reoccurring programming you know we have studio 393 we've got just tv but i think there's always room for more and i've just come to learn that one-off programs don't work because of a couple of reasons you know we need something that we can come back to as artists and young people and be connected to and we also need a space where we can be coming to frequently enough that we get comfortable to be vulnerable because I don't I don't believe that you can be creative until you've accessed a, a, a point of vulnerability um, to, to connect that spirit and so um, Air Sessions really is, I guess, the first of my of my projects. <laughs> and uh, we're just nearing the end now, and I'm really hoping we'll be back for another season next year. Mm. How, do you go, how do you go from getting someone like, I'm going to drop a couple of names, but how do you go <laughs> from uh, getting someone like Boogie the Beat and then getting uh, youth like, like me and Two Above? Like what made you think of those names? and think of us to be in that room together well i'm just i'm just bringing in cool people i don't know if if like status or accomplishment even was really where i was coming from when i when i brought in the mentors you know i i really wanted to have 
indigenous people represented. I really wanted to have local up and coming people. Re- okay, maybe I did think about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really important to me that there was a diverse crowd, um, you know, on the mentoring side because I want the participants to see themselves in you. I want them to be like, oh, cool, you know, I actually like, I could do this. And also get also, or rather, also have that opportunity to meet with people who are making it per se, you know, and get to fan out a little bit. You know, we had Sierra Noble at our last session and I I might have fanned out the hardest, <laughs> you know, sung along to every word of possibilities when she played it. <laughs> We're best friends now. And uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Ask her. <laughs> and no, but uh, it's been a real journey, honestly, even for myself, because I was talking to a couple, a couple of the mentors being like, wow, I never thought you'd say yes to come and do this. And even to me, that makes me see myself in them be like, wow, I could be like that one day, too. You know, so it's just about helping young people realize that there's a potential and realize their potential. Uh, we've been talking about mentors and how important that is. And oh, and also, Ila, you mentioned that uh, having a space to be creative and, and vulnerable is important. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, touching back on when you started music, when you were growing up, uh, were the people around you supportive of your music career? <laughs> and <laughs> um, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke. No, I'm just joking. Um, that's such a tough question. Okay, don't don't put that part in there. <laughs> um, I have I have some really amazing people in my life. Um, I have an uncle that was, you know, really supportive. He's the person that I always kind of nerded out about guitars with, and he gave me my first guitar, which was probably one of the biggest stepping stones that led me to where I am and you know I I had a lot of different people in my life that supported me along the way I had some people tell me that I probably wouldn't make it you know and I think that that's just realism too and that's why I laughed I guess when you asked me the question because I had one person tell me you know you're probably not one in a million Isla (laughs) you know (laughs) But um, that's okay, because the more that I've learned along this crazy journey is that it's not really the one in a millions that end up making it anyways. It's these awesome friends and community members that I'm associated with that I see doing well that are just on the grind. You know, they're just doing it for art's sake. And that authenticity just shows and people are so drawn to it. I think my counselor once told me that I'm not that <laughs> one in a million. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. It really stings at first. <laughs> yeah, it was my counselor. Oh, oh no. Yeah, maybe get a new counselor. <laughs> but uh, what was your first guitar? Do you remember the brand or anything? Oh, yeah, I still have it. I display it proudly in my home. It's a uh, little baby blue electric fender, which is funny. I've never performed live with, a, with an electric guitar. Actually, that's not true. Mm. I performed live once with Rocker Girl Camp on an electric guitar. Mm. Uh, but yeah, a little baby blue, uh, what do they call them, Stratocaster? Yeah. It's like the classic, right? Stratocaster, yeah. Mm. So are you going to use that guitar for your 
album that's coming out now or the project that's coming out? You know, it's funny you ask that. I've always toyed with like becoming more rock and <laughs> <laughs> bringing it in. But no, I, I just uh, I just brought somebody new into my life. Um, she's a Martin, um, a little Martin acoustic. Nice. You know, mahogany body with spruce top. Just Ooh. gorgeous. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> we, are, we are getting to know each other these days. It's great. <laughs> so what instruments are in your second album? I perform usually solo and uh, sometimes with an accompanist who does backup vocals and does, uh, she plays the cajon. And to me, it's always really been important that the live show is represented in the album because I don't want someone to hear me be like, okay, this chick's cool, buy my album, be like, oh, this is not the same product. So the album's going to be pretty stripped down, um, you know, acoustic and natural sounds with, um, you know, just the the bare the bare basics to really highlight the the beauty the beautiful pieces of each of each song. Uh, hearing you describe your guitar just reminded <laughs> me of of a qu of a question. Um, I used to know this musician that uh, she used to talk about her guitar like it was like a person and it had like a soul and stuff. I just want to know if you like you think that about. Oh man, I'm a stuff. weirdo when it comes to this yeah. stuff too. Yeah, like I, I used to play a seagull. I still play her. We're still friends. Um, a seagull folk size uh, blue guitar, and when I decided to officially retire her, she uh, she was living down in Mexico for a little while. Um, when I decided to retire, it really was like a, an emotional experience to bring this new guitar in and, you know, they're just trying to get to know each other now too. It's a little bit funny, like the other woman, you know, is in the house now and <laughs> I'm weird. I told you, um, but no, no, on a serious note, uh, well, maybe this isn't that serious, but I truly, <laughs> I truly believe you know, all all music is written. All all songs are out there already. Um, I think that our instruments become vessels that they they transpose through them, and it's so important to me to bring in a new instrument into my life because I think that at a certain point, an instrument can be done giving you music. Um, you know, and on that note, pun intended, on that note. Um, I really feel like these songs that are already written, you know, you have to be you have to be open and paying attention to to get them to come to you because they're out there. Yeah. You were talking about marketing at one point. Your shoes say air. Is that a way of marketing <laughs> your uh, sessions or how do yeah, you market? Yeah, <laughs> I bought these branded action. No. Oh my god. No, that's so funny. No, I'm I'm learning the marketing game still. That's uh it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing this this wild music industry that we're part of. And uh, I love trying different tips and tricks, but I think the most important thing that I'm learning is to be me, not to try to be anybody else, not to copy some other girl's plan or style and just let it be, you know? Just recognize that it's good as good as it is and let that flow out. I don't know if that makes sense. I think I'm rambling. Uh, do you think that every musician should should uh, consider kind of knowing the business side of, of, of the music world? Uh, do you think that's very important? Well, <laughs> I think it's so important. I've known artists that, actually I was just talking to, to a friend about this today, that 
I've seen artists that have been picked up for their talent and they get, you know, kind of shuffled around the music industry almost in a way that they're used. And I've seen that happen to friends of mine, you know, and at the end of it, they don't know how to do anything for themselves. You know, they, they don't understand the recording or business side or the DIY aspect. So that's one of the things that inspired me to create projects like Air Sessions and get involved with Manitoba music the way that I have is I want to make sure that my relatives, you know, are coming up in a way that they have autonomy over their career because it's especially with the indigenous music industry right now, it's hot. People love it. They want to get involved. They want to book us. And the sad thing about that is that we're becoming or being recognized as um, what's the word as like a commodity as like a product and that as we know from history gets exploited pretty quick and so I, I just really want you know the young the young artists and artists that are on the scene now to have that knowledge to handle themselves it's like Buffy St. Marie I'm reading her biography right now and when she first got started she signed to a label and she had absolutely no clue what she was doing. And they asked her if she had a lawyer. And she said, oh, no, I don't have a lawyer. And they said, that's okay. You can use ours. And the problem with that is that, you know, she was using their lawyer. Of course, their lawyer is going to give her very, very specific advice. And it's happening around us. It has been happening for the entire time that Indigenous people have been involved in music forever. Um, so, it's so it's just super important that you at least know the basics so that you have that control to know what what the heck's going on so i got one more well i have one question and then i probably have a second one uh since we're coming up near the end of our time this is 101.55 umf this 101.5 umfm this is 393 um so in your first Let's go back in your first record for a second. I saw that there was like there's a cross in it, and I know that you're uh, Ojibwe. Yeah, there was like that. There was like a cross necklace. There was like yeah. Jesus piece. Uh, uh, Jesus piece. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I call it. Really, I didn't even know that's in there. Oh my. Yeah. God. Oh, okay. Well, I guess then. I guess Is isn't it in there. there? <laughs> yeah. It's like wait, maybe it was one of the singles. Oh, this one. Yeah. Did that have anything to do with like any of the songs or anything? Like being Ojibwe and spiritual, but then also like having the cross too. How how deep do you want me to get here? I know as deep as Dive you want to get. Okay, so I grew up really Christian. Mm -hmm. Really, really Christian. Went to church, you know, twice a week kind of Christian. We had Bible study in our home. Um and ever since I was probably around that age that that single came out, that the, those tunes dropped, I've fully pulled away from it, actually. Like, I wouldn't say that I identify with it in any way. And I guess that's why I'm surprised when you ask me, what's this cross about? What cross? <laughs> you know, and I just, I found that there was things that my church was teaching me that I couldn't identify or feel okay with, especially with, you know, women's rights and, LGBTQ, etc. rights and so many different things, and I just couldn't say that that's who I was anymore. And I'm s absolutely a spiritual person, but I certainly would say that I identify more with like the Medeoan spirituality with with Anishinaabe teachings. Um, so I've come a long way from there. I don't think my music was truly ever 
particularly inspired by that. You know, that specific photo, I think that was a jewelry piece more than anything, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, but now I would for sure say that how I'm, how I'm feeling about, you know, spirituality in general does affect my tunes, you know, especially there's one song that isn't recorded yet and it's called uh, This Is Me and it's about celebrating my indigenous identity and my family's indigenous dis- identity and your indigenous identity. And um, that's definitely pulling from a, a beautiful place now, you know? And do you feel like there was things that you took away from from your past religion, though, and, like, kind of, like, some parallels almost to spirituality? Or they totally. All like c- completely different? <laughs> no, totally. And I think that's why it was, it felt easy to denounce that and move towards where I am now is there are so many parallels but the more that I learned about religion in general I think that there's parallels across all religions you know and I I just think that things like treating others the the way that you want to be treated and having respect for your elders and you know treating your body well things like that that's cross-cultural that's cross-religion and I don't think that's a word, cross-religion. Cross-religion? <laughs> it transcends across the different cultures. And I think that, you know, that's where people can unite is that no matter what, we have things in common for sure. Uh, so, Ila, we're running out of time here. Oh, uh, no. Last question. Just wanted to know uh, if where can people find your music? Uh, where can people follow you on Instagram, etc.? And what's coming up? What's new? Oh, man. Okay. Well, first off, totally go check me out online. My website is islabarker.com. Isla is I-L-A, if you don't see it there in front of you. Um, all of my handles are Isla Barker Music, Twitter, Instagram. Who used Twitter? Just kidding. Instagram. Yeah. Fa- <laughs> oh, Sani uses it. Shit. Oh, I can't swear on this guy. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Cut that out. <laughs> um... Yeah, all my handles are there. Find me, follow me. Uh, I probably use Instagram the most these days, as I think a lot of us are. Um, Up next, well, there's lots of unknowns um, for the fall, at least, when I'm out of this this contract and onto something different. I don't know what that looks like. But for the next little while, I've got some super exciting projects coming up. Um, June 21st and 22nd. Um, the Indigenous Music Development Program is producing a conference and a showcase. We're doing music meetings and one-on-ones and panels and all sorts of professional development, then doing an official showcase at the Forks as part of APTN's Indigenous Day Live. Um, submissions are now open on our website, both at manitobamusic.com and indigenousmusic.ca. We have them open till May 30th only. It's open for up-and-coming Indigenous-identifying Manitoba residents. Um, We ask that you be a member um, of Manitoba Music, but we can worry about that after the submissions come in. So just check out the website. Go to my page. I've got it linked all up there as well. Or check out either of those two sites on Facebook. It's all over. Definitely get in touch. So we're going to be gearing up for that right away, and I'm super excited to be a big part of that one. Um... Our air sessions finale is June 20th. We're going to have a big party and celebrate all that's happened. Y'all are invited. Come hang out. 
Um, I'll have food as always. <laughs> and uh, later this summer, I'm super excited to announce that I am on uh, the lineup for the Regina Folk Festival. So I'm going to be part of a mentorship program that they are running again this year. Um, and I didn't know they were going to put my name on the poster. And I'm freaking out because I'm so happy. And it's their 50th anniversary too. So definitely go follow me on Instagram to watch all of that cool stuff unfold this summer. Cool. You heard it here, folks. Uh, go f check out her music. Isla, not Ila. <laughs> Isla, ladies and gentlemen. Isla. <laughs> Self number one, now I'm roasting under blazing sun, riding shotgun, you at the wheel, my free will at your direction, memorize your sides, but forgot my own reflection, no my eggs in my basket, I gave them all to you, still hungry after fables, but I ran out of spoons, give her more than I can give, overextending my wings, good at playing your games, but this is not a win-win, I've been sinking in your dirty dishes, even won my place for, I marry myself, I remain faithful, one day I'll leave the table, cause you stop serving love, the taste of solitude, I know it is enough, I am blue, the color of my solitude, I'm blue, I'ma choose to love me over you. How many times I knew my yes was a no? I'm your clown out of habit, there is dust on my throne. For you, I drop my shit just to hear you say hero. Fly you to your dreams, distract me from my own. Maybe, baby, someday I will learn to be alone. I fly myself up to the moon and build a gate around my zone. I bust admit that I am selfish when I take care of myself. Repeat it till I hear it, reverse the trauma in my cells. Ooh, ooh, the color of my solitude. 
What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to UMFM 101.5. You're listening to the Studio 393 broadcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kenneth Castillo. Today we have two other guests as well, two other hosts as well. We got Sapphire and Mr. Obi, aka Osani. Today, our segment for the night Peg Opinions. Opinions from the Peg. Let's dive into it, shall we? We're going to be talking about streaming, buying streaming. Everything to do with streaming, our opinions on it. Sapphire, wanna kick us off? For sure. So I was like listening to the J. Cole album. Oh, no, I was listening to Middle Child. Um, and he has a line. How does that line go again, Kenneth? Uh, I think that line the line that you're talking about, I think it goes like uh it won't be it won't be for clout, it won't be for fame, it won't be because my albums aren't selling the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, we, we had Ella on the show, Ella on the show. Um, and um, after her segment, we ended up talking about um, people buying their streams and like how to be authentic and how to actually engage with your audience. And she was just saying how like it's so noticeable when you buy your streams and like how it's more beneficial to stay authentic and actually engage with your audience. And it just got me thinking like people really out here buying bots to hype themselves up to create this like weird illusion that they're doing better than they are instead of like actually going out there to see who rides with them and like building a fan base like it takes time i'm not gonna lie but like it's worth it like like that's who's gonna be there for you that's who's gonna buy your merch and your songs you know uh personally i see a lot of rappers that do buy streams or buy followers and me as a rapper, I really can't complain. I don't think I would do it because I want to make music and I want to grow old with the fan base and I want to have fun and I want to be able to book a venue and know that people are going to show up. But the people that do buy fans are usually people that are really socially awkward and don't want to talk to anyone and want to stay in the room all day. Like, like they just they're not having that. It's not because I'm pretty sure if they wanted like a fan base and they wanted to like grow a fan base and they had those social skills and cues and knew how to interact with people, they would, but they don't. So they're just going to buy fans and hope that people follow them over internet because that's all they really know how to do. 
Uh, I think like you're even like likening it to payola, like so like getting like radio streams or buying radio play. Like how is it? Is it different? Is it the same? Like what do you think? What's payola? Payola is like when you when you pay someone to like peddle your merch or like to you like, you pay someone to promote you. Mm. In a sense. For radio play. Oh, okay. So payola is when they promote you for radio play. Like you've bought them, like. I guess in the sense like buying streams or like buying radio plays is kind of, is kind of like a lie. And my mom always used to tell me that when you lie, you're just lying to yourself. That's what streams are doing. Yeah, you. Yeah, you can buy streams and it'll look like there's a lot, or you can buy a radio play and you'll be played a lot. But really, you're just lying to yourself and the people that do have an authentic... Am I answering the question right? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's just my opinion. Like, yeah, you can buy streams. That's just a different way. Of, me, I, I would never do that. Th- but that's a different way of going about it. But it's lying, essentially, and it's lying to yourself most of all. Um like an industry plant or something or like labels um labels pay for radio play or pay to get on playlists and playlists another thing um yeah it's just a different way of of going around and uh, i'm not too much one for authenticity either i know authenticity or being authentic is what comes up a lot but uh my favorite my favorite movies are fiction are fiction movies like i don't know I just, I don't really care about being authentic, but I want to be authentic, but I don't really care if someone else is authentic. Okay, so it's more about like, or just to allude to like what you're saying, um, are you talking about like creating like a character around or like experimenting with like personal elements, so you're still being authentic in yourself, but like playing with like different personas or characters, like kind of like, Ro- like Rocket Man and Elton John. So it's like, he's still Elton John, he's still doing what he does, but like there's different personas in the mix. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I like doing. I like being different. I like being different and having my own unique thing. But I'm just saying like in terms of other people, like if the Migos paid for radio play and uh they had 40 songs on their record, that's too long a record for me to listen to, <laughs> but I don't care that they paid for radio plays. Mm. As long as you get to hear like whatever it is that you wanted to hear. I don't really want to hear the Migos that much no, either. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, there's some songs. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. If they pay to get their stuff on radio, like, it's, I don't know, it's not going to come out as a really big shock to me. And it's also not really going to, like, affect my opinion on them. Like, I'm not going to, yeah, hear them pay for radio and be like, oh, that's whack. When young artists are looking up to people that buy radio streams or buy plays, and that's these big artists are sort of role modeling for the younger generation is it bad for the younger generation uh, it just means thinking the younger generation thinking there's a shortcut um i think it's just like the younger generation can do it but i don't think it's going to pan out all that well mm-hmm. yeah my take on it is like if the migos okay my take on it is that if the migos are, are like buying their streams or buying radio play it's almost whatever because, like, they've already established themselves. Like, I already know the Migos. I've already seen their, their music videos. Like, I've already, like, they've already racked up their five mil on YouTube or whatever. Like, their song is out. They've already established themselves. So 
And they have the money to blow. Like, if I was getting paid, like, Migos stacks. Yeah. And had Migos, <laughs> Migos money. Yo, I could blow it on some streams. Like, I could blow it on some radio play. Like, why not? Like, it, it's, it's good for my brand where I'm at in my career if I was a part of the Migos. But, like, if you're starting out, it's a waste because it, it, it skews the image. Because, like, what you were saying before, like, it is a lie. And now you're associating that lie with your brand. Like, because now you just look whack. Like, you're starting out. We don't have enough faith in yourself, in your works, and you're buying streams to like present an image. When right now, as someone who's engaging with your art or just trying to interact with your art, I want to know you. Like, I'm here because I thought you were cool. So, like, what are you? What are you like? What are you about? I don't want to see you buying bots. Like, I want to be part of the people who can say, like, I was here from day one. Like, I was a ground zero fan. Like, where you been? I've been here. Like, see that? That's what I want to create for like fans and. When when people I don't know if a young up and coming rapper like let's just say like uh, like Mexico Dro or like Sheck West well Sheck West is kind of already up um, but more like Mexico Dro or like D Savage like if those like very l- low level SoundCloud rappers were paying for streams I kind of wouldn't I I wouldn't see them as whack I just see like if people are paying for streams I just see them as doing what they need they need to do. Like, I mean, you pay for streams, you're not going to get much money out of that. You're just trying to, like, get your music out there. Um, you're just grinding. Um, and, yeah, and let's just, and they were exposed. I wouldn't be like, oh, that's whack. I'd just be like, oh, dang. <laughs> I, no, I hear you. I hear you. Like, like, like to anything, there's a, there's a business element to music. So, like, I feel like when you buy streams or you buy followers, you're buying into a persona or um, like you're creating your own hype so that people who come to your page are like, oh, he's lit. Like he has like 12,000 followers. Like there's a value associated to like the number that you're following when I feel like, and it might be just really idealistic of me, but I feel like the value should be in the art that you're creating. Mm. Like whether it's 200 followers, because sometimes like, you know, when you're on the gram and you find like a really obscure page and there's like yeah. 200 followers, but everything on it is so lit. And you're yeah. like, what the heck? Like, I rather that and feel like a part of something like really special and then grow from there. And I feel like that's what young artists should be aiming mm. for, in my personal opinion. But uh, I'm also going to say I might be biased because I try to bl- buy a blue check mark, <laughs> but that wasn't because of my music. That was because when people saw my Tinder and connected to my Instagram, I wanted them to see there yes. was a blue check mark. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, that was more personal, not business related. <laughs> Once again, folks, thanks for listening to tonight's segment, Peg Opinions. Opinions from the Peg. Our second segment that we're going to get into is uh, opi- uh, just recommendations on what you can be listening to this summer. Um, things that we're vibing. Uh, so I'm going to start it off here. Uh, personally, me, I've been listening to uh, Daddy Yankee lately, which is a Latino rapper. He's Mexican. Um, but in Spanish, we don't call it, you know, it's not rap. It's reggaeton, which is a little bit different than a beat that, like, a hip-hop beat would be uh, because reggaeton uses, like, a cum- cumbia beat, which is, like, yeah, so it's a little bit different, but it's still, like, you know, it's still rap. Um, so I've been listening to Daddy Yankee's 2004 record, uh, Barrio Fino. Uh, Barrio Fino was, I first got into it because I was listening to J Balvin's, like, 
this song called Reggaeton, actually, which is J Balvin. He's like a mainstream. He's from Colombia. Um, but he was wearing a shirt in his, one of his music videos. It was Daddy Yankee. I was like, oh, that's Daddy Yankee. And then I, I looked up that album that he was wearing that, that was on his T-shirt. And it was Barrio Fino. And then I started listening to it. And it actually has like a lot of songs that... A lot of songs... A lot of songs that uh, I grew up listening to as a kid. Uh, so there's a couple on here. One of them is called um, Gasolina, which is like one of his big bangers. Every Latin party that I went to had to have Gasolina. Everyone would everyone would, would get down for that one. And uh, I don't know. It's good memories. And uh, he has some g- really good intros. He's just t- like the intro to the album is him talking to like a Spanish guitar kind of. And he's just. Yeah, it's like poetry kind of. He's just he's just saying this is where I'm from, uh, this is what music did for me, and then he just goes into the album, and the album's hard and it's gangster and it's good, it's fun, and it, and it's like it's like dance music too, which is cool, and and it's I think it would be perfect for the summer. Uh, so that's Daddy Yankee, Barrio Fino. So the artist I've been listening to, uh, her name is Mariba. The album that I've been listening to a lot is called The Jungle Is the Only Way Out. I love her so much. Oh my god, it's it's such a vibe. The whole album is so chill, so mellow, and like when you listen to it, you just feel like she's just real. I'm not gonna be like it's raw. It's not raw, but it's like it's honest. It's honest. There's some vulnerability. Her her voice is like there's like a rasp to it. Her writing is really good. Like there's some elements where like in black trucks she raps. And I was not expecting that because her voice is very like R&B like, um, and then like also in her songs it's like this kind of folk element, like this folk music kind of element. Sometimes it's like operatic and it feels very like angelic, and at the same time it's like R&B, like there's some not not trap, it's not trap, but there's like trap inspired things within the beat sometimes, and it's just a, an interesting blend of all these different elements that I like in music, and it's all tied to in together, it's all tied in with her songwriting um, and like her just her personal experience. There's a spoken word poem in the album. The fact that it's there is so sick because what? Um, but it just, it's just so authentic to like who she is. She was here in Winnipeg with um, J.I.D. Uh, it's an amazing album. The Jungle is the Only Way Out by Mariba. Y'all should check it out. Um, me, personally, I've just been listening to to real stuff lately what's really real traffic <laughs> helicopters <laughs> okay. buses real stuff man really out here people biking around <laughs> ambulances real real <laughs> i keep it so real yo so you're basically saying that you're listening to nature's album is that what you're saying? The environment's album? I'm saying no, 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 not even that, not even that. I'm so real, I don't even wear headphones anymore. I'm just listening to the sounds that's around a li- me. That's a lie. I, I seen you. I seen you wearing headphones the other day. You mm-hmm. didn't see me watching you. Yeah. Um, anyways, if you want to hear more of that kind of stuff, me and my homie Hadir are uh, doing a podcast of just us having fun and uh, messing around. I'm gonna be messing around and talking about real things like cars. And uh, traffic and trains, and Nadir's gonna be talking about rap. So, uh, yeah.
for real? <laughs> what do you think of that plug? <laughs> Wait, what, what's the what's the podcast called? Is it called the real? <laughs> nah, um, we have to think about our podcast name. We got a couple different ideas, sort of in the pot, kind of mixing it around right now. We're um, we're thinking it has to have something to do with Winnipeg. It has something to do with rap. Basically, the way. We, I don't know, every time we get together, we just end up smoking a lot of shisha and uh, talking about Avengers or superheroes. <laughs> we have, like, maybe, like, a couple seconds of names, but we're looking at a few names. It's like uh, apartment shopping, except we're really flaky tenants. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Osani, the great Osani, and uh, the lovely... Um, Push me on all black truck. 
push me a mad all black truck Obstacles like ops, gotta watch him, I keep my opticals up Cause every soldier stays strapped up in the clutch And I don't mean toting tools, no, I got different weapons Like a nine in my mind, a tech in my intellect Then I aim it at anybody that's threatening my set When I say set, that's like the kid that still call me by my pet name Baby, you don't gotta guess, I lived it to express Ain't no need to stress, just keep a vest over your chest Meaning don't be taking bullet wounds that keep you in your wrong Feeling less than impressed, just keep it cool Painting up the city with my hue, they like it, they say ooh ooh Plus I stay true despite what you do And I keep my feet down, my head up, my cuckoo I remember settlers like, you know, you cuckoo Never been a settler, high tides are more like my ride Either that or a matte black truck like the Lexus for my papa Rest in peace, my papa, keep eye out for baby daughter My spirit's too shot to pew pew, so I even bother You got a lot of nerve, but my fuse is much shorter <laughs> I'll cut you off like my old split ends Yeah Send like the Phoenix again. And Venus said, keep them barred up, so I'm back to the pen. And I got visions in my mind, like Steve Lynn. Mr. Morris been singing choruses for my long lost kin. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is 101.5 UMFM. This is 393. Thanks for listening. Shout outs to everybody that contributed. This week, uh, we have a few things going on. Kim Mortal and DJ Bambi will be playing Pride. That is on June 2nd at the Forks. We also, at the Graffiti Gallery, have our next show coming, which is called Deep Dive, curated by Gwen, a filmmaker that has been associated with the gallery for many years. Uh, It's called the Art Mega Show. 28 artists and bands will be associated with it, so please come down. I know that Rob Crooks and uh, Kinetic are involved as well. Uh, They'll be playing, so it'll be a a feast for the eyes and the ears. Payola. Payola is or was the practice of paying off a DJ or a music director, somebody, basically to jump in front of the line, not worrying about taste uh, or record companies and uh, the agendas of the record uh, of the radio station. So that would happen on commercial and on campus, college stations, or wherever a DJ would be. Someone would go and pay them just to get played. And again, avoiding their taste, except the taste of money. Um, so that takes us to the end of this week on 101.5 UMFM. Please catch us on our podcast, on SoundCloud, uh, as well as on 101.5 UMFM every week on Wednesdays. Peace.